0: and ultimately stood it on an extreme corner of the chimney-piece, from which it ever afterwards fell off at intervals. "'Do you take tea or coffee, Mr. Gargery?' asked Herbert, who always presided of a morning. "'Thank you, sir,' said Joe, stiff from head to foot. "'I'll take whichever is most agreeable to yourself.' "'What do you say to coffee?' "'Thank you, sir.' returned Joe, evidently dispirited by the proposal. "'Since you are so kind as to make choice of coffee, I will not run contrary to your own opinions. But don't you never find it a little eaten?' "'Say tea, then,' said Herbert, pouring it out. Here Joe's hat tumbled off the mantelpiece, and he started out of his chair and picked it up, and fitted it to the same exact spot as if it were an absolute point of good breeding that it should tumble off again soon. "'When did you come to town, Mr. Guggery?' "'Were it yesterday afternoon?' said Joe, after coughing behind his hand, as if he had had time to catch the whooping cough since he came. "'No, it were not.' "'Yes, it were. Yes, it were yesterday afternoon.' With an appearance of mingled wisdom, relief, and strict impartiality. "'Have you seen anything of London yet?' "'Why, yes, sir,' said Joe. "'Me and Wopsle went off straight to look at the blacking warehouse. But we didn't find that it come up to its likeness in the red bills at the shop-doors, which I mean to say,' added Joe, in an explanatory manner, "'as it there drawed to architectural I really believe Joe would have prolonged this word, mightily expressive to my mind of some architecture that I know, into a perfect chorus, but for his attention being providentially attracted by his hat which was toppling. Indeed, it demanded from him a constant attention, and a quickness of eye and hand, very like that exacted by wicket-keeping. He made extraordinary play with it, and showed the greatest skill, now rushing at it and catching it neatly as it dropped, now merely stopping it midway, beating it up, and humoring it in various parts of the room and against a good deal of the pattern of the paper on the wall, before he felt it safe to close with it, finally splashing it into the slop-basin, where I took the liberty of laying hands upon it. As to his shirt-collar and his coat-collar, they were perplexing to reflect upon. Insoluble mysteries both! Why should a man scrape himself to that extent, before he should consider himself full-dressed. Why should he suppose it necessary to be purified by suffering for his holiday clothes? Then he fell into such unaccountable fits of meditation, with his fork midway between his plate and his mouth, had his eyes attracted in such strange directions, was afflicted with such remarkable coughs, sat so far from the table, and dropped so much more than he ate, and pretended that he hadn't dropped it that I was heartily glad when Herbert left us for the city. I had neither the good sense nor the good feeling to know that this was all my fault, and that if I had been easier with Joe, Joe would have been easier with me. I felt impatient of him and out of temper with him, in which condition he heaped coals of fire on my head. "'Us two being now alone, sir,' began Joe. "'Joe,' I interrupted pettishly, How can you call me sir?" Joe looked at me for a single instant with something faintly like reproach. Utterly preposterous as his cravat was, and as his collars were, I was conscious of a sort of dignity in the look. "'Us two being now alone,' resumed Joe, and me having the intentions and abilities to stay not many minutes more, I will now conclude, leastways begin, to mention what have led to my having had the present honour. For was it not, said Joe, with his old air of lucid exposition, that my only wish were to be useful to you, I should not have had the honour of breaking vittles in the company and abode of gentlemen. I was so unwilling to see the look again that I made no remonstrance against this tone. Well, sir, pursued Joe, this is how it were.' I were at the bargeman the other night, Pip." Whenever he subsided into affection he called me Pip, and whenever he relapsed into politeness he called me Sir. When there come up in the shay-cart Pumblechook, which that same identical," said Joe, going down a new track, do comb my air the wrong way sometimes, awful, by giving out up and down town, as it were him which ever had your infant companionation, and were looked upon as a playfellow by yourself. Nonsense! It was you, Joe." "'Which I fully believed it were, Pip,' said Joe, slightly tossing his head, "'though it signify little now, sir. Well, Pip, the same identical, which his manners is given to Blusterous, come to me at the bargeman. What a pipe and a pint of beer do give refreshment to the working man, sir, and do not over-stimulate. And his word were, Joseph, Miss Havisham, she wished to speak to you. Miss Havisham, Joe? She wish were Pumblechook's word, to speak to you. Joe sat and rolled his eyes at the ceiling. Yes, Joe, go on, please. Next day, sir said Joe, looking at me as if I were a long way off. Having cleaned myself, I go and see Miss A. Miss A, Joe? Miss Havisham? Which I say, sir, replied Joe, with an air of legal formality, as if he were making his will. Miss A, or otherwise Havisham. Her expression ere then is following. Mr. Gargery, you are in correspondence with Mr. Pip? Having had a letter from you, I were able to say, I am. When I married your sister, sir, I said, I will, and when I answered your friend, Pip, I said, I am. Would you tell him then, said she, that which Estella has come home, and would be glad to see him? I felt my face fire up as I looked at Joe. I hope one remote cause of its firing may have been my consciousness that If I had known his errand, I should have given him more encouragement. Biddy, pursued Joe, when I got home and asked her fur to write the message to you, a little hung back. Biddy says, I know he will be very glad to have it by word of mouth. It is holiday time. You want to see him? Go. I have now concluded, sir, said Joe, rising from his chair. And Pip? i wish you ever well and ever prospering to a greater and a greater height but you are not going now joe yes i am said joe but you are coming back to dinner joe no i am not said joe our eyes met and all the sir melted out of that manly heart as he gave me his hand pip dear old chap life is made of ever so many partings welded together as I may say, and one man's a blacksmith, and one's a whitesmith, and one's a goldsmith, and one's a coppersmith. Divisions between such must come, and must be met as they come. If there's been any fault at all to-day, it's mine. You and me is not two figures to be together in London, nor yet anywheres else but what is private, and known, and understood among friends. It ain't that I am proud— but that I want to be right, as you shall never see me no more in these clothes. I'm wrong in these clothes. I'm wrong out of the forge, the kitchen, or off the marshes. You won't find half so much fault in me if you think of me in my forge dress, with my hammer to my hand, or even my pipe. You won't find half so much fault in me if, supposing as you should ever wish to see me, you come and put your head in at the forge window and see Joe the blacksmith there, at the old anvil, and the old burnt apron, sticking to the old work. I'm awful dull, but I hope I beat out something nigh the rights of this at last. And so God bless you, dear old Pip, old chap, God bless you!' I had not been mistaken in my fancy that there was a simple dignity in him the fashion of his dress could no more come in its way when he spoke these words than it could come in its way in heaven. He touched me gently on the forehead, and went out. As soon as I could recover myself sufficiently, I hurried out after him, and looked for him on the neighbouring streets. But he was gone. End of chapter